It's the Winning Ticket Podcast, where having fun is minus 1,000. With your hosts, Dean Contrino, Joe Hoffman, Zach Nasciolo, and Johnny Della Luna. Hey, everybody. It's week 17 of the NFL season, and it is not the last week of the regular season, the first time ever we can say so. Uh, we're so excited to give you our picks. It's John here with Dean, Zach, post-Christmas. How you guys feeling after another holly jolly one? How was last Sunday? How's how's everybody doing? Uh, as as They call this like the dark matter between Christmas and New Year's, where like the days don't count, the calories don't count. How are you guys doing? Well... Um- my Christmas sucked. My wife had COVID, so I just mm. got to leave my house for the first time a couple days ago. But you know what didn't suck? My week. Hello, haters. <laughs> the fat lock hit. Three and one in the big bank. My Love parlay it. hit. My dog pound hit. Ladies and gents, Zach is getting hot, 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 just in time for the playoffs. <laughs> I would say I'm like, I don't even know. I guess I'm like, yeah, I'm like the Tennessee Titans. Right now, that was sleeping nice. giant. I just gotta get healthy for the playoffs, man. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fucking gu- guns blazing here. At Let's Zach go. Headquarters. Yeah, fun <laughs> fact: last year, the winner of the Big Bank, which was uh, me, which is funny. I, I feel like I don't brag enough about that. But uh, last year, I won the Big Bank, at ending the season on an eight and one in the double unit. So Zach is doing something uh, pretty similar. He's only trailing John by two and a half units. On the season, so this is a very um, important week in the standings for us. Um, I didn't do so hot. I'm actually sick over uh, one of my losses. It was I had the under in Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Kansas City just spanked their ass red um, all up and down the field. They put up 36 points and then a very inconsequential touchdown. Deontay Johnson slant. Nobody moved an inch. He scored scot free, and I'm sitting there like, <laughs> if he misses the extra point, then I'll win. And they kicked the extra point, and I was like. That was it. After that touchdown, they brought in all the backups, the third strings, and nobody played yep. football anymore. So I lost by a half point on my under, which hurt a lot. But, guys, uh, I'm ready to turn it around. I'm going to have an interesting one to shake up the standings a little bit once I win and get myself back into the black. <laughs> Love it, man. I had, uh, I had a very pedestrian week myself. I went 2-2. Two and two. If you rode the Jets and you rode the Colts, you were uh, in for some decent money. Um, the Broncos game, I had that. I really took that line because it was plus 100 odds. Um, obviously, the Broncos were just outplayed. Drew Locke not getting it done. Poor guy. Um, and then the the baddest beat um, was obviously Ravens plus three, which I did warn you guys. I say you guys, the audience, uh, the last time around because the quarterback situation was up in the air. And I think it was either Saturday or Sunday, Tyler mm-hmm. Huntley was announced to be out. So, obviously, the line changed after that, and that is a game I would not have bet on. Um, and if anything, I would have taken the Bengals' side uh, if if I had known all of that, that it was Josh Johnson, I think, started that game yep. and played that game. So, um, I'll take that bad beat, but we had a couple of uh, of good winners, and uh, I think overall as a podcast, we're, we're in the green. So, it um, took us a little bit to get here, but we're giving you, as promised, winning tickets. Uh, just as the podcast says, yep. so we plan and to do that. There's, yeah, yeah. As a big reminder too, like we really do come alive in the playoff time. I'm getting excited mm-hmm. just thinking about my Super Bowl bets too. Um, it's something that we always. That's one of my favorite episodes of the entire year. Also, um, you know, NHL season is finally back underway, so I have a bonus yeah. play on the ice a little bit. It, it, 
later at the end of our recording, and then also college basketball on the hardwood. So definitely you're going to want to stick with us for all sports, including the NFL, once our baby wraps up. Um, of course, we still got, you know, even though we only have one more week in the season, the the playoffs with seven teams per conference now, it feels like the playoffs last for another month or so. So really we yeah, have just another, about- what, like four or five weeks. So yeah, you're definitely going to want to mm-hmm. stick with us. We're going to be cranking out these NFL episodes. Yeah, and what's great too is at that point, we're going to have a play on pretty much every game. Yep. Um, I, I would, I would, especially in the divisional round and above, um, I think there's only like, you know, three or four on each side. So, uh, just before we get into Zach's fat lock, I'll just spend, uh, just a quick minute here, um, talking about the recent news about John Madden's passing, um, very important, um, figure in the NFL. I actually can't think of, aside from like a Vince Lombardi type figure, um, someone who gave more to the game as it currently stands, then, then John Madden. I watched that terrific documentary from Fox um, a couple days ago. Where Don't spoil himself. it for me. I have recorded. Oh, time to friggin watch. Zach, it's 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 so good. You know, they they just you know they interview a lot of people in his life. He reflects on a lot of the big moments in his career. It really focuses. They maybe give like the first like before the commercial first commercial break to his time with the Raiders, and most of the documentary is spent um, post his coaching career and I didn't realize he only coached 10 years um and there's like a stat out there that says he's the you know he's the winningest coach for that period of time like like based on um the number of games he coached and the number of time with that one franchise um but I know John Madden was a dude that um and I assume everybody who's listening to this obviously knows John Madden is sportscaster Raiders coach um he he gave a lot to us as 90s kids um with his football games um, his football video games, I should say, uh, Madden 2000. I texted you guys about that. That was my very first one. And like every other year, for the most part, I've been getting the Madden games. They've dropped off in quality for me the past couple of years, but that's not a testament to the man John Madden at mm-hmm. all. Um, but those games, really, really pivotal um, aspect to getting me into football. Uh, and I'm sure like millions of people that are that are out there. I think. The documentary said that the Madden games were worth over something like seven billion dollars in their lifetime. Wow. I mean, that is just, it's no small. My wife, who is not a football fan, when I told her John Madden died, knew who he was, and that mm-hmm. kind of says it all right there. So, just a, a respectful minute. I'm sure you guys have some Madden stories, but rest in peace to John Madden. You you were a good one. Yeah, the cool thing about uh, the Madden video games, which I actually didn't realize, was earlier um, he actually delayed. Uh, they wanted to go live with a Madden football game, I believe, um, two years earlier than they actually did. And he insisted that it becomes a very realistic uh, game. I believe he actually donated an old playbook as well to make the plays. Wow. So the whole format of going in and, and selecting plays and stuff is an, an invitation or excuse me, a, a, an invention of the man pretty much. And yeah, exactly, John. Uh, you know, the first year that I watched football, uh, it was John Madden and Pat Summerall. And that was the Fox broadcast up until... Um, you know, someone, someone could fact check me on this, but it feels like up until, you know, a certain point, And then that's when like, it, it feels like the, the new wave happened where it was like, then the red zone, uh, obviously there's a couple years in between those, but then, yeah. then it felt like, um, you know, personally, my family got a computer around that time. So then we got into the digital age, but it feels like the old era back when I was a, a small child and playing fantasy with my dad, it was uh, always John Madden. And it, funny enough, uh, as a Vikings fan, I was uh, personally not a John Madden, the broadcaster fan, because uh, <laughs> he was uh, far too kind to Brett Favre, who was hated in my household. So, uh, 
Um, you know, I, 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 of course I acknowledge him. What, what a great, uh, man for, for the legacy of the game. And it definitely helped, um, you know, it's the game that's an, it's the voice that's synonymous with, uh, the early years of my fandom. Amen guys. And yeah, just real quick. I mean, I texted you guys this too. It was like, when I first started watching football, I remember John Madden. That's what I remember. My dad sitting on couch with his friggin' red dog beers and cursing me out because we were making too much noise always trying to watch uh trying to watch football so it's pretty uh pretty sad but you know what it kind of feel like our generation man i feel like millennials really did get to see like the like one of the best errors of football because there's so much parody mm-hmm. we got to see you know tom brady basically become the goat like we mm-hmm. still are reminiscent of like some mm-hmm. of the earlier guys who played in like the late 90s and early 2000s we've grown to love but like the game has evolved so much i feel like we're very very fortunate for the era of football we got to watch and also the technology age i mean this generation probably the last 15 years probably know more about football and more about the players right mm-hmm. than any other generation before us and we can literally thank that to john Matt, to john madden i'm laughing because i'm thinking in my head of a tweet i saw that was like <laughs> john <laughs> John Madden is the reason why current 13-year-olds have better clock management skills than Mike McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. And that's a fact. Great tweet. We might have more on that a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, like we said, he was he was a legend. To honor him, Zach, let's, uh, let's go into, I'm sure he would love this, to talk about your fat lock for week 17. Yes, I'm sure John Madden is sitting at the pearly white gates of heaven like, I wonder what Zach's fat lock is like this week. Well, John Madden, welcome to heaven, and welcome to my fat lock, baby. All right, here we go, gents. Three legs. I'm only doing a six-point teaser this week at plus 180. It's a juicy one, folks. Let's get it. The first game, New York Giants at Chicago Bears. Taking the Bears, it's basically the spread zero. They're six-point favorites. So basically the Bears to win outright, stick a fork in them. The Giants twist it. Done. Uh, honestly, it really, really doesn't. I mean, if you really look at it this way, the winner of this game, it does not matter because Giants own the Bears pick. So yeah. I don't think it, ben- I think it actually would benefit the Giants more to, I, I don't know, who would it benefit more to win this game? I think it would benefit the Giants to win only because it, because their pick is low enough and then it brings the Bears pick, I guess, closer to them. Like they would yeah. pick if, if, if they won. Um, they would pick maybe like four and five as opposed to like four and seven or I don't know something. Gotcha. Well, like here's my philosophy here: the Giants are god awful. They're playing for nothing at this point. I think they should be. They are tank commanders. Jake Fromm proved that he is just as bad as Glennon, if not worse. Mike Glennon will be starting again, mm-hmm. and uh, the Bears. I don't even know who we're getting. Foles, Fields. Uh, I, I don't know who's starting the game. But Foles was able to beat Seattle. Seattle's a better team than the Giants. Uh, so, to me, I just think the Bears win this one outright. I also think that if Fields does start, I think the Bears really want to win this game because it's like, hey, this is the team we're giving our first-round draft pick to mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of you. So, go out there and kick their ass. Yep. All right? Yep. Number two, I'm taking the Packers minus one. Vikings season ended last week. I'll leave it at that. They put Thielen on IR. They're still dealing with some cluster injuries. Uh, pretty much the playoffs are are slipping away very fast, and I think I believe if the Packers win this week, uh, they clinch everything, right? Home field advantage gets clinched this week because they do have one win than everybody else, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, so, right. 
I'm Googling the playoff picture now, too, just in case. And and even well, if not, they need no invitation to uh, get up for the border battle. And the Vikings beat them last time, correct? They did, yes. They did. So, little revenge game. They're at home at Lambeau uh, with a chance to basically be able to rest Rodgers next week, if I'm not mistaken. I might be yep. wrong. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh, regardless, I think the Packers should win, whether it's by three, four, five, six, seven, whatever. Uh, Packers will win this game. Uh, and then at last, I am taking the Raiders plus 12 and a half at the Colts. This one, I was very tempted to take the Raiders in a big bank play with the six and a half. 12 and a half. I know they've absolutely screwed me in this teaser before when they played the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> but I am trusting them to play against a Colts team who is not going to be looking to pass the ball. They're not going to be looking to score points. They're going to be running the ball. So Raiders, back the box and uh, just just literally just prevent Jonathan Taylor. That's all you have to do is stop the run. That's all you have to fucking do. They're not going to be passing the ball. Cover 12 and a half points for the love of God. So that is my teaser this week. <laughs> Bears at a pick 'em. Packers minus one. Raiders plus twelve and a half. Plus one eighty. Six point teaser. Look it. Nice man. I ju- I have a, a little bonus uh, that I bet in my ledger. So last week, you know, pure nihilist Dean looking at everything, going, "Oh, the Vikings, you know, only lose one for the rest of the year. They might make the playoffs, but for what reason to get blown out in the first round?" I was like, you know what? The Vikings are probably going to lose out, and that's what's going to happen. So, Zach, I agree with your Packers take. Uh, unfortunately, Kirk Cousins is just not good in primetime. He has back-to-back primetime wins, but we saw against the Bears, he played horrible. I think that the Bears get a little bit hot here and um, possibly go into next year. You know, if they if they go in winning three of their last three, then um, – Maybe Nagy stays around. This man's coaching for his life. It looks like the team's responding as well in a very emotional win last week. They went for two and got it, which was interesting. So a little bonus play, Bears plus 190 next week in Minnesota. That's the look-ahead line. Assuming that the Bears take care of business and beat the Giants and the Vikings do what they're going to do and get blown out by the Packers as they (laughs) normally do in Lambeau, uh, that line will definitely go down. So I, I would say take the value right now. So a little little bonus plan, look ahead. Yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit more about playoffs, but first hit us, Dean, with that sounder for the Big Bang. Big Bang Picks. All righty. So I'm just pulling up the playoff picture here, guys, real quick. So the the NFC has five playoff spots clinched already. There's only Mm -hmm. two spots available, two, two of the three wild card spots. In the AFC, incredibly, incredibly, the only team as of today that has clinched a playoff spot is the Kansas City Chiefs who clinched their division. Everybody else is technically in the hunt, which, again, which is incredible to me. Um, And this team that's in second place in the AFC, this will be my first big bang pick. I'm taking Titans minus three uh, as the Miami Dolphins riding that seven-game win streak come to town. Little history behind that. The first time in a season that a team had a seven-game losing streak and a seven-game winning streak, that is absurd um they are currently eight and seven the dolphins are and they're currently in the seventh spot in the wild cards if the playoffs started today they would clinch it a lot of people would say seven game win streak looking good titans average team we don't know what to make of them this is a good uh, get spot for the dolphins i'm gonna hit you with this edge the titans are one game out of the number one seed 
And you've got to tell me, Mike Vrabel and those guys, if they have a spot and a chance at that one, they're going to earn it. Every streak is meant to be broken. I, I was saying this for weeks past with the Dolphins. They've had a cupcake schedule. You can't control who you play on, on your schedule, of course. But the Dolphins, you have to admit, have had an easy one. Without even looking at the schedule, I know they've played the Jets. They've played the Giants. They've played the Jaguars. You know, they I think they actually lost that game. So I should, yeah. I should take that one out. But still, they've they've played um they played the bottom of the barrel. Uh, and the and I think I sent you guys a text about the quarterbacks that they have faced. Mm-hmm. So um if I was better prepared, I'd pull that text up. But Needless to say, the Dolphins, I think, are due for a loss. This line was at three and a half. I bought it down to minus three for uh, minus 130, so I'm paying a little bit. However, I'd rather just not I'm, – I'm over getting hooked. I will I will always pay the juice if, if need be. Uh, and I think the Titans being at home, being that they are fighting not only for their division but for that number one seed, they can – I'm just expecting a bad game also out of the Dolphins. I think that's really what the handicap comes down to. The Titans are a very talented team. They've had their flaws, which makes me a little bit apprehensive. But I think with all of the uh, momentum going their way, uh, I think this should be uh, a minus three cover for them at home. And they'll have that better of a chance to getting that that one seed there. So I got a double unit on that one. Very nice, John. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, left I, you guys, I left you guys speechless. That's how good that pick was. No, I, I do, I'm kidding. I agree no. with it 100%. It is signed. Yeah. You get the Zach signed, sealed. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Like, like the Dolphins, you have to admit, the Dolphins, they have overachieved. I'll say that. They were overachieved last year. If they lose one more game, they're pretty much out of the playoffs. So, like, are we going to really buy into the seven-game win streak? I'll tell you guys right now, too. If the Dolphins make the playoffs, you bet your ass I'm betting against them that wild card weekend. Too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, it, funny, funny enough, John, and this is what made me, um, you know, kind of stumble a little bit. And that's why I just kind of was like, yeah, sure. Um, I, but I, I think that the Titans, you said that they're an average team, which I agree with. And therefore, um, I was trying to look up Coach of the Year stuff. I know that Matt LaFleur is a popular bet. Um, I would think that Mike Rabel should win Coach of the Year, mainly because he's taking a, a an average team without their best player and possibly one of the top three players at any position in the NFL in Derrick Henry and um, still winning and playing very competitively, of course, coming off of extra rest as well. That's a, that's a very interesting one. The Titans played on uh, Thursday night. Dolphins played on Monday night. So this is the, the most extreme extra rest um, situation <laughs> in the NFL, especially at this point in the season too. So uh, Mike Vrabel, I'm co-signing that as coach of the year. I know a lot of talk about MVP is happening too. Um, I think I was texting you guys about this, but I don't understand how Cooper Cup isn't the betting favorite. He has a very good chance of breaking the um, all the receiving records this year. He's fifth currently. All, his season right now, fifth in catches all time if the season ended today. Fifth in catches, seventh in yards. I just think it's a no-brainer. He's going to break both of those records and um, hopefully win an MVP. That's at plus 2,500. That's a little bonus cookie there. But I'm going to go into my first play involving Cooper Cup, and he gets to play the Ravens, who have no secondary. We talked about John Harbaugh a couple times going for two points and saying, yeah, we have no cornerbacks. The Ravens, get this, guys. The Ravens are technically starting their seventh and eighth corners. Starting cornerbacks are their seventh and eighth stringers on the depth chart starting in the preseason. So these are guys, wow. they're not even backups. These are the backups, backups, backup. 
You know, so this is something where they're very far down the depth chart. They just got gaped by Joe Burrow, um, throwing for 500 yards last week. And somehow the books come back and only make the game total 46 and a half. No way. I got one unit on that. Rams Ravens over 46 and a half. <laughs> uh, the Rams kind of slept walk last week. Uh, Matthew Stafford two threw three head scratching interceptions and they still waltz their way to 30 points. I think that it's going to be one of those things. We're also having no uh, Daryl Henderson. I know that a lot of people are making a fuss about Cam Akers. He's not going to step on the field this week. Um, if he does, it will be in the playoffs. I think that the Rams, this will actually force them to get a little bit pass happy, which is great. That's what McVay wants to do anyway. Uh, the Ravens showed last week that they have such talented players on offense, and it does not matter who they start at quarterback. As long as that guy knows how to get the ball to Mark Andrews, they will be just fine. I think that the Ravens have shown that they can put up some points regardless of who's playing quarterback. If it's Huntley, I think this line goes up two and a half points. Um, wow. It's one of those things, too, where a lot of people kind of gloss over it. The Ravens have no running back. They, they're they technically now going down the depth chart. They have their fifth and sixth running backs in, and Devonta Freeman and Latavius Murray. So it's one of those things where, it, you know, it needs to be commended that the Ravens are playing so shorthanded. A lot of people mm -hmm. talk um, – they talk injuries, but they're not mentioning all the preseason ones that are happening or that have already happened. I think that the Ravens are good enough to score some points. I know that the Rams are going to kill them when it comes to uh, throwing the ball because of, you know, their horrible secondary. The Ravens 5-2 and two to the over at home. The Rams 5-2-1 and one to the over on the road. Um, I've been good picking totals lately. This is where we're going. Both defenses giving up over five yards per play in their last three games. Um, they both have excellent field goal kickers, which is actually something that people don't talk about a lot when it comes to totals. But if you have a bad quarterback and you get to the 40-yard line with Justin Tucker, why not attempt it? And that's a very good play for an over because, you know, there could be blocks, long field goals, low kicks, could be a block field goal, um, field position if he misses it, and three points if he makes it. So that's something that I, I love taking overs with good field goal kickers on their team. Um, the other thing that, that I like to say is the model, my team total model that, that I put into it, makes this game total 55. And my question to you guys wow. is, if Lamar was in, would they make this total as low as it is? Or would would they do it more on the spread? I would argue that the total would be up around 49 to 50 if Lamar Jackson was in. So if he's worth three yeah. and a half points there, then would that make the spread minus one? I don't know about that. I think that the the, the book is adjusting for Lamar being out on the spread but not in the total, and therefore we have an edge. That's that's wow. great analysis, Dean, because I didn't think about it like that. I completely agree that if Lamar is playing this game, the total would go up and the spread would be narrower. Um, mm -hmm. So so getting Vegas kind of like not because they're probably not getting a lot of total bets, certainly not as many as the spread. Yep. They're not they're not shading in the right direction. So good right. good advantage to take. And, to and take that's what the public play. does when they get big public news. They look uh -huh. and they see Lamar left practice today. So then they go and bet the Rams not necessarily take the total. So it's one of those things where I think that uh, maybe the book's left a little bit exposed here. There, there's no reason why this shouldn't be 48 and a half. So I feel like we're getting a, a nice little edge there. So that's where I'm going for my first unit. Well, I am taking the bait because my first big bank play is the Rams minus four. Let's go. I, I think that like the Ra the Ravens, it's been nothing short of a, like of a miracle that they've been able to up not only cover, but almost win all these games without Lamar Jackson. And they have Grant, and you know what it comes down to? It comes down to coaching, right? Mm -hmm. Hardball is just such a good coach. Uh, and mm -hmm. he has his seventh and eighth string players playing well. But the Rams, once again, they're fighting for a division title. They need mm -hmm. this game. 
I know the Ravens are also uh, – they really need two, but I don't think Lamar is going to play. Sounding like he's hobbled. With that being said, I mean, how much more of this Cinderella luck with the backup quarterback are we going to get? I mean, you could call it the – yeah, okay, it's, you know, it's hardball system. It's an offense that he runs. They're just too banged up. And if the Rams are this powerhouse of a team who's going to make a run in the playoffs and it's under seven points significantly, we're talking about four points only to the Ravens, to me, the Rams should be able to win this game handily. Um, and, and that – I feel like any time you can have in, – in Zach's power rankings, right, a top five team – play against a team that's below 15 and it's only four points, you have to jump on that. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I just think there's too many variables where if the Ravens are going to cover once again, it's going to be like a backdoor end of the game, like drive down the field and score, score a touchdown. Uh, mm-hmm. I looked at the weather in Baltimore. It's looking to be okay. So shouldn't be having to worry about anything there. It just really comes down to can the Rams put their foot on the gas and do what they're supposed to do. And I believe that they are humming right now. So I'm taking them. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's so funny, too, that each week we somehow have a correlated play with a total and a side. So, of course, the same game parlay comes back at plus 240, Rams minus four and over 46 and a half on DraftKings right now. That's great. I, I love the Rams this game, just like you guys are saying. The Rams, so I'm, I'm probably going to go to the, because the, I have this playoff screen up. I'll just go over some playoff edges. The Rams have clinched the playoff spot. They have not clinched the division, so I'm sure uh, McVay and company, just like Vrabel and company, they're, they're eyeing that division win. And also, they're not out of it for that one seed yet. The Packers are up a game on both the Cowboys, the Rams, and the Buccaneers, um, but it's going to be a fight. They're not going to uh, earn that one quietly the Ravens on the other hand it's crazy man there there are 10 teams in the AFC with at least with a winning record and 13 of the 16 teams are seven and eight and above talk about talk about tooth and nail fighting um but the Ravens are in the 10th spot right now and just think if two of those games were reversed and Harbaugh doesn't go for two and miss just think, their record, they're currently 8-7. and seven. Their record could potentially be 10-6. and six. And where are they? Well, they're very much in most likely second place <laughs> in, in the entire conference. So I know the Ravens will be fighting. They're currently out of the playoffs. That'll be motivation for them to wake up. I just think the Rams would be too talented at the end of the day, too motivated for them to overcome a four-point spread. So um, let me take you guys to my next Big Bang pick. I'll take you to my last uh, favorite Um of this week, another team that I'm buying down from three and a half points, giving to just three points. This team is in the last spot in the NFC. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. Guys, I have seen enough of Washington. I've seen enough. They're a team that I don't – There's there are a couple teams, kind of like the Giants, kind of like the Saints. I don't need to see this team anymore this season. I'm done. I know what, exactly what they are. They are not three-point coverable dogs against Philly. I know it's a division game. They are not a good team. The defense is horrible. Their offense is even worse. Absolute embarrassment last week. And I know a good friend of mine who I work with is a Washington fan, so I'm sorry, bro. But uh, absolutely embarrassing uh, against the Cowboys last week. And there's really no excuse. There's fighting on the sidelines. Rivera is still a good coach in my eyes. And I think that fight was more of passion and disappointment as to how badly they're performing as opposed to them turning on each other. Um, 
but I just don't see as as the roster is currently made up. There's just no way Washington um, is going to cover this game. They probably shouldn't win any more games. I think they overachieved with six wins they currently have right now. They're technically still quote unquote in the hunt. I think like every team above them would have to lose and they'd have to win out naturally. Um, but I think the Eagles are like the opposite of the, of Washington. They are finding their stride. Talk about a rebuild year for Nick Sirianni. Kudos to that team. They're eight and seven. And I don't think a lot of teams want to play the Eagles right now. They had a very sleepwalky type game against the Giants last week. However, uh, second half comes, uh, the Giants turn to Mike Glennon and all bets are off. The defense falls apart and they wind up routing them. So I trust in the Eagles. Um, funny enough, the 49ers are right above them. They're both kind of the same team. They're frisky. They're not the best at particularly anything, but they're a team that's going to be a tough out for anyone who plays them. And I think Washington is a bottom five team. Eagles will cover this spread at three. If it was something like over seven points, I'd be a little bit more apprehensive. But within a field goal, I'm very comfortable taking them here. Yeah, and again, John, that's a unit for minus 130 odds. Sorry about that. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's interesting because when I preseason when I made the bet of Washington going over their their uh, line of eight, um, it was one of those things where it was a much different world. We thought that oh yeah, that healthy Antonio Gibson and Ryan Fitzpatrick, their offseason mm-hmm. signing, and my whole right. thing that I contended was you know with a competent quarterback, this is a decent team. Of course, yes. uh, they lost Chase Young a bu- what like two months ago. Their defense has been bad, and I actually will go ahead and say this if. I think my turning point was the first Dallas game where Mike McCarthy comes out of COVID isolation and goes, "Yeah, we're gonna beat this team. They're a bunch of they're a bunch of fucking chumps." And then that's <laughs> a division a lot of people don't realize that is one of the most heated rivalries in all of the NFL: Washington versus Dallas. And they, they come to your building. Their coach calls you assholes, pretty much. They bring their own bench, and then they go in there uh, and they slap the shit out of them. And then that, that was that. And from there, I was like, "All right, Ron Rivera is gonna have the guys." You know, fighting back. I thought, you know, last week catching nine was a good spot, and they got absolutely killed. And I think it's one of those things where, John, you said that you called Ron Rivera a good coach. I'm not so sure anymore after all okay. that. How do you not get up? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Is it, one of two things have to be true? Either Ron Rivera has completely lost the team in the locker room, or Tyler Heineke does not deserve to grace an NFL field ever again. Um, both might be. Maybe that's a little bit strong, but both might be kind of true. I- I'm with you on the latter. I don't. I think yeah. Taylor Heineke. They should absolutely move on from Taylor Heineke, former St. Louis Battlehawks backup quarterback Taylor Heineke. <laughs> but no, the the one thing too that I will say is, or more likely, it could be that maybe this toxic workplace of the Washington football team is really now starting to bleed onto the field. I know that the investigation that got John Gruden fired was uh, a cause of that. I know that a lot. There's some rumblings. Uh, RG3 is writing a book too, saying surviving Washington. Yeah. Maybe this is just truly a bad place to play football. But um, yeah, I, I wanted to uh, also fade them, but I do not have that as a play. I do have one. And this is interesting. This is a half unit here. Um, it's the Detroit Lions plus seven catching a full touchdown transitive property. Detroit and Chicago are pretty much similar as teams. They're both really bad. Um, Chicago comes into Seattle in the snow and beats the Seahawks after giving up a 40-yard touchdown on the first drive. They come back, and all the way, they just beat them up. I I think Seattle is horrible, and people are still – because there's no major injuries. It's not like, oh, it's Seattle with Geno Smith, or, oh, it's Seattle with no Lockett and no Metcalf. I think that people are just underreacting. It's pure name value. They see that Metcalf, Lockett, and Russell Wilson are lining up, and they're like, how could this team not win? 
And I think that it's time for people to adjust your stuff. The <laughs> Seattle Seahawks are not a good football team. Russell Wilson, great, I'm sure. But he's getting towards the end of his career. Metcalf doesn't get the ball. I don't understand it. He doesn't get targets. He doesn't get the ball. Maybe there's some disconnect between him and Russ. I'm not sure. I don't really – I'm not here to break that down. But here's what it is. The Seahawks blow. They don't deserve to be a seven-point favorite to anyone. And Jared Goff is coming back. He's familiar. They used to be in his division. I think that – um, yeah, it's just one – it's just too many points. There's no way that they could – there's no way that Seattle's going to blow them out, and therefore I'll take a free touchdown here in a game that the model makes a pick them. So that'll be my half-unit play, Detroit plus seven. Sounds cool, man. And I got we're talking about playoff stuff. Seattle's in a unique position. They have nothing to play for right now. Yeah. Um, they've been eliminated. So um, spoiler is not quite either the, the role that they can play against Detroit because everyone's expecting Detroit to lose. So this is a game that all the advantage points to the Lions playing up for their head coach. Obviously, it would worsen their pick, um, although they do still have two games. They mm-hmm. are two games behind, quote-unquote, um, the Texans and the Giants uh, and the Jets. But I guess if they were somehow targeting that first overall pick, mm-hmm. It would all be the Jaguars pick. Um, well, that, that's another that's another edge here. It's not like they're it's not like they're winless and they're like, oh yeah, let's just mail it in and get that right. pick. And there's nobody good coming out of college anyway. So it's <laughs> like it's not like they're like, oh yeah, let's tank and get like a Trevor Lawrence or like a Jared Goff or whatever. Right. It, there's nobody good coming out. So it's like one of those things where the Lions. I, I mean, I'm sure they'll, they'll take the number one pick gladly, but it's not like they're like, oh my god, we're gonna ruin our chance at, um, you know player X, there's really nobody right. that, you know, game-changing coming out. This is a pretty weak class. And I also think that Dan Campbell has shown that this team will fight into every every single game. I mean, they've stolen a couple. They tied the Steelers. They beat the Vikings. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're not a horrible team anymore. And I think that Seattle is a horrible team. This is a team that is used to winning championships and going to the playoffs under Pete Carroll. And now they have nothing to play for, a situation that they've never really been in. So I highly doubt that DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson – are um you know extra preparing for the Lions to be like I I really we we should beat them because we lost last week I just don't see that motivation edge there. Mm-hmm. Totally, dude. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I fucking hate Seattle. These guys <laughs> are losers. It makes absolutely no sense how bad they are. The, uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. We're gonna find out next year whether it was a Russell Wilson problem uh, or a Pete Carroll problem. Maybe both. Because they both might not be in Seattle next year. But I'm still butthurt about Seattle beating the Niners that fucking one week, like three or four weeks oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Man. I'm still we were on the Niners that came, like, too. Yeah. Everyone was on the Niners. <laughs> oh. All right. But talking about heavy favorites, I'm taking one of the most heavy favorites on the board. My second of three plays this week. Roll with New England versus Jaguars. I'm laying 15 and a half points. God help me. Three <laughs> scores I am laying. I just think that Jacksonville is one that bad. It's not that the Patriots are that good. It's the coaching is that good. You think Bill Belichick isn't like, hey, guys, these guys are absolute losers, and we have to win this game to control our own destiny for week 17, for week 18. Like, is this going to be a shit pumping? I don't see how this game is close. I think that the spread is justified. They'll probably wind up winning by, like, 17, 18. You know, I don't really see – I mean, I, I, do they even play their starters in the fourth – that's my question. What did Jacksonville have to play for? They have a backup coach. Trevor Lawrence is still learning. We're talking about how the man hasn't even thrown a touchdown pass in eight weeks. Their running backs are hurt. They have players on COVID. 
what what's left for the Jacksonville Jaguars? What what is the reason to get up against a super highly baited, highly motivated uh, Patriots team? I mean, if you want to mm-hmm. think back to like what they're like, oh, we got to get revenge for 2017, right? <laughs> Where Blake yeah. Bortles lost nobody the on that team won. is still on the team. Yeah, yeah. so it's just there's like, nobody left. Don't see a motivation factor at all. Listen, if this was like week 12, I like I would be terrified of laying this line. The mm-hmm. season's almost over. What has Jacksonville got to play for? You're going to see a lot of quote-unquote business decisions, right, on the defense. Uh, I I truly think this is just like the classic Bill Belichick uh, runs up the score. They score 40-something points. Jaguars score a couple garbage-time touchdowns. Final score, 41-21. Like, that's the type of game I think wow. this is in. I'm not overthinking it at all. I'm not scared of laying the three scores. It, it cut and dry. The Patriots are worlds of better ball than the Jaguars. End of story. I'm trusting Bill Belichick, who probably knows what the spread is. He's going to be like, hey, guys, we got to we gotta make sure we beat these guys by uh, three touchdowns, or else I'm going to be embarrassed. Zach's got yeah. a lot of money on you guys. Thanks, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> no, it's so interesting because I, I was actually reading something earlier about the, the Tampa Bay Bucks. And uh, from from a gambling perspective, it's one of those things where a high spread and a low total is typically, you know, green light, take the underdog and the under because it's correlated. But we're seeing now that the, the books are getting wise to this and that Tampa Bay actually has three wins where they covered a large spread and the under hit still. So it's one of those things where that's got to be complete domination. And um, the reason why I bring that up is because that would be a situation coming up. It's a low total, but a large spread. Although I have no interest in taking the Jaguars. Actually, very fun fact, Zach. You said that they, they might um, come back and score 21. They actually have not scored more than 21 in any game this season. Very, very <laughs> weird one about the Jaguars. Unless they did last week. I, I actually maybe didn't update that. But it's one of those things where, um, yeah, the Jaguars really just, their offense is absolutely horrible. Um, so much to the fact that the books made their team total this week 12 and a half. So it's one of those things where if you're so inclined, um, if you... I personally don't see them getting to double digits. Um, it would have been a play at like maybe 16 and a half or 17 and a half. I would be over the moon for, but yeah, it's one of those things where this is a big under game. Uh, the books, I think, think that the Patriots are going to shut them out. So um, either way, I, th- I think that there's only, you can only roll with the Patriots here, but uh, just a little tidbit because that was one of my honorable mentions. I would have taken a team total if it wasn't so low. <laughs> yeah. I, the only question I have Zach is, um, week five, Patriots 25, Texans 22. Is there any chance the game turns into something like that where they kind of struggle and it's like, oh, fuck, we got you know, we, we to score? If this was earlier in the season, <laughs> I would not touch it. Okay. <laughs> a completely different point in this season. It's not like the Jaguars are, un- like, looking for their first win. Like, their Urban Meyer is gone. Like, I, I don't know what they have to build on. I don't know what their motivation is. I think their philosophy is get out of these next two weeks without anybody getting hurt uh, and worry about our rebuild. Yeah. So, and plus that Patriots defense is fucking nasty, dude. Like, come on, oh, yeah. like, this is gonna be like this is this is what probably a top two or three defense going up against a bottom two or three offense. <laughs> Just everything. Yeah. Think about like mention, the Patriots are coming off of what two back to back like horrible losses, correct? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think so. Something like that. Colts yeah. and the uh, Colts and the and Bills. The Bills. Asses beat by the Bills last week at home. Like, come on, what more motivation <laughs> do you need? Bill Belichick coming off of two losses, playoffs on the line against the worst team in the league. 
I rest my case. There you go. I'll yeah. add one one last thing. I, I I love the play, Zach. This is an interesting one. So the Bills are currently the leaders of the AFC East, but they have the same record as the Patriots. So the Bills are in the fourth spot. Patriots in the sixth spot in the playoffs. Um, they have head. They've split head to head. Um, because now tie breaking goes down this ladder. Um, then after that, it's division. Um, opponents, which I have to imagine they probably took care of business within the division, at least very similarly. And then it goes to common opponents. And mm. guess who the Bills lost to earlier this season yeah, the that the Patriots the could maybe get an advantage on. So, listen, any other coach team, I would be like, ah, that's like a useless stat. They don't think about that. I guarantee you Bill Belichick thinks about something like that. All the more incentive to blast them. So, so fun fact to clean up on that Jaguar stat, they've scored uh, their highest score of the year was 23, um, which was, of course, their win against Miami in London. And the Jaguars have scored single digits or less in four of their, what would that be, uh, 15 or 16 games so far. Wow. Yeah. So, yep. so they're just, yeah, they're not built to score points. Um, I'm going to go on to my last play. I'm actually going to take a team that's getting points. Not taking a favorite right now. And I think a couple of guys, Zach, has his thumbs up. Uh, we have a couple of uh, similar likes on this one. It's the Cardinals getting six points at home uh, against, I'm sorry, uh, on the road, the road, uh, Cowboys. And without going into the numbers, just on the surface, I think that the Cowboys are a team that's overachieved in recent weeks and the Cardinals have underachieved. Obviously, huge, huge implications for the seeding in the NFC side of the playoffs. The Cardinals know. Clint Kingsbury has answered questions about their last season collapse this year, saying, is this going to be a repeat? Kingsbury, to his credit, has admitted to it, said, hey, I'm aware that we we fell apart last year. I know that's what it's looking like this year, but I guarantee you we're not heading in that direction. The Cowboys literally had a couple of their games this season, like the Giants earlier, too, um, like the, just like a party, you know, they're scoring a lot of points. Their defense is having fun. Um, but when it comes to the real like powerhouses of the conferences that they've played, it's been a little bit tighter. Um, and again, not asking the Cardinals to win. A lot of people forget this. When you're taking an underdog getting points, you're never saying they're necessarily they're going to win the game or else you take the money line. Right. Still saying that the Cowboys could very well come out with a victory. The Cardinals could still be collapsing on themselves. But six points is a lot. Um, for teams that I think are very, very similar. I think the Cardinals can win outright. I think they could cover six even better. So I really like this play. And I know, Zach, you'll have some more on this too. That is my last big bank play. I am taking the Arizona Fraudinals at uh, <laughs> plus six because I do think they're fraud. Uh, but this line was too juicy. Personally, I would still put this game at like three myself. I, I get it. Arizona has been in a tailspin. Uh, they did play uh, – I mean, they played sloppy last week. Mm -hmm. uh, and they kind of have been playing a little sloppy. But this is – once again, you want to talk about must-win games. Like, if they don't – I'm not saying they're going to win, but they're going to get up for this game because it means so yep. much mm -hmm. to both teams, right? Dallas still has an outside shot at, uh, you know, improving their seating. And Arizona needs this to keep pace with the Rams for the division. So the Cardinals have to win this mm -hmm. game. Uh, and with that being said, they are talented enough to put up points against uh, the, the Dallas defense, who have mm -hmm. been playing out of their minds. And I just feel like the, the Cowboys have been kind of coasting a little bit. We're getting a little right. bit too easy, I feel like. They're getting fat and happy. They already won the mm -hmm. division. 
You know, I still think that Dak Prescott is kind of banged up, even though they're not saying anything. Yeah, like, too. Arizona just needs this game way too much more. Uh, way much. Uh, they, they need this game significantly more. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, than the Cowboys. And for that reason, with almost a touchdown, I, I, want, I want the Cardinals. So, guys, this is almost a triple like um, for my final – well, not my final play. For a half-unit play, and this is my makeup ground type of play, and I did bet this um, in my ledger, but one of my legs in a parlay is the Cardinals' money line. And here's what it is. The Cardinals 5-0 and against the spread as, as a road underdog, 7-1 and against the spread and straight up as a road team. Uh, Zach wow. and John, you guys laid it out perfectly. They are going to start being a little bit desperate. It's one of those things I just talked about, the Ravens and all their injuries. The Cardinals have had a lot of injuries as well. Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, obviously J.J. Watt got hurt. Um, DeAndre Hopkins missing a lot of time. A.J. Green is a little bit dinged up and – I just think it's one of those things where something's got to give. The Cowboys have played nobody, and a part of that is because they play in a very easy division. Sorry to to you guys for that. But it's one of those mm-hmm. things where I just think – I just completely think that the Cowboys are frauds. I definitely think the Cardinals are frauds, but I think that the – the Cardinals are frauds that are scared, and they need to win this game. So they're going to come out. They're going to pull out all the stops. I think that we're going to see a vintage Kyler Murray performance, and I will take them straight up because the model makes this a pick em. And, of course, what, what wow. we always preach in the dog pound, um, when it's a pick em and you can get odds, I'll take the odds. And I parlayed that with my final play in the big bank. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers plus three and a half for one and a half units. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm joking. I'm on my own bet <laughs> ledger right here. But uh, my parlay is Cardinals and Steelers for plus 690. But here's what it is. Uh, the wow. Steelers, this is an all-time spot. They're just coming off a blowout loss. Uh, Mike Tomlin is 80% against the spread on Monday Night Football in his career. This is Big Ben's last home game in Heinz Field because they're not going to make the playoffs. Spoiler alert. Uh, Pittsburgh... Don't tell them that because they're still alive in the playoffs if they beat the Browns. The Browns are coming off a backbreaker, actually two of them, because they lost two games in a row. I think that this is, guys, I, I don't I don't use words like this often because, uh, you know, I, I I have, there's hundreds of hours of myself speaking recorded in this library feed. So I don't like to say stuff like this, but this is a smash spot. One and a half units. In my personal ledger, I'm going to have like five units on it. I think getting more than a field goal is absolutely insane. So that'll be my one-and-a-half-unit play, and I think the Steelers are going to win outright. That's my do- dog pound as well, and I parlayed that with the Cardinals. Big week coming for you, John. Coming for the juggler. <laughs> Smash oh, yeah. so You know what? I don't even think we need the sounder. What is going to say it right here? Yeah. Dog pound. All right. We're <laughs> taking the Steelers. Are we not? We're all taking the Steelers. This We're is all Big taking Ben's. the Steelers. I was a week early in saying this, but to <laughs> the Donna Summers, Last dance, last dance for Ben. Yes, it's Ben Roethlisberger's <laughs> last home game at Heinz Field. They're going to win. They're going to win. There's no way. If they lose this game, I will be just floored. I mean, mm-hmm. you want to talk about just uh, throw numbers out the window. It's the emotional handicap, man. The Steelers are going to be playing like it is their fucking, like their life depends on it's it. It's their Super Bowl. The ma- it is their Super Bowl. And, yeah, they still are in the playoff race. I still don't mm-hmm. think they make it. But this game, you know it's going to be sold out at Heinz Field. The crowd's going to be Rutgers. They're playing a division opponent who's also looked – I mean, Baker Mayfield has looked awful. Big Ben has yeah. two. But, listen, I don't know what more motivation you need. Uh, Big Ben's last dance, 
I fully expect to be like Eli's last home game against the Dolphins, where, you know, mm-hmm. he gets his pop and circumstance, the crowd cheers, mm-hmm. they're happy, they ignore his controversial past, and uh, then he goes on to retire <laughs> after the season. Yeah, well said by both of you guys. That's that's the play. Steelers, I've actually was texting my cousins earlier before we even recorded because I'm like, this, this is going to – because – I think it was today that Ben Roethlisberger, today, Thursday, December 30th, that he said in an interview that this was most likely, said something like, it appears that way when they asked if this was his last game in Heinz Field. So ever since that, like, I'm sure these numbers are going to adjust. Um, the money line might even adjust. I'm not convinced. I mean, let's talk about the opponent, too, real quick. It's not like the Steelers are playing the Chiefs like they played last week. They're playing the Browns who are actually a spot below them in the playoff race, who've dealt with COVID, who've dealt with injuries, all kinds of problems this season, um, and have looked more like the Browns of old than this like new wave uh, Browns team. Obviously, they're going to be still motivated because a playoff spot is still technically up for grabs, but just uh, the same way is for the Steelers. A, steal- a playoff game is still up for grabs for them too. I think Ben, the way he talked, like kind of realizes even if they make the playoffs, they're not going very far. Um, and I think that... There is just no way in front of the home crowd, like Zach was saying, like you were saying too, Dean, that they that they drop this game. This this could even be like an ugly like ten to nine win somehow. But I don't see. I think getting with the points is a solid bet. I think taking the money line will win you more money. And that's that's uh, this is probably the you know I I have. I'm worried next week if for some reason the Steelers lay an egg and we're talking all this. I want to say though, like you said, Dean, this is a smash spot. I have never been more confident about a dog pound pick than this. I think that's what I'm worried wow. about. Let, let, me just, game of the year, <laughs> let me just say this, though. You know, obviously, if things happen, I, I mean, it's three and a half. They're getting three and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if they made this the other way. If it was Pittsburgh mm-hmm. minus three, the model actually makes it Pittsburgh minus two. Um, the one thing, though, to take this with a grain of salt, if you're listening um, to our show, you, you need to realize, too, that we could only make plays based off the information that's presented to us. So, for yes. example, John, you mentioned the Ravens game. If um, Ben Roethlisberger pops positive or Najee Harris pops positive, that's sure. out of our control, you know? So it's one of those things, too, where we're saying, you know, based on this, there is all the reason in the world for the Steelers to get up. If they don't get up, then I think that's more indicative on Mike Tomlin and, and Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger maybe is truly deteriorated to being shitty. But from what, what we could see, three panelists on the show, from what we could see, this is a complete smash. And, of course, taking the points, you know, you're getting more than a field goal. It, the, the Browns could break Ben's heart and kick a game-winning field goal as time expires, and it'll still be a cash mm-hmm. on that three-and-a-half. Sure. It's kind of similar to Zach. We were talking before uh, we started recording. I can't believe the books left the hook on this line it's insane to me um <laughs> at at worst there should be browns minus three not three and a half so we're getting a free hook take it now maybe when you're listening this might be steelers uh plus two and a half but i definitely think this yeah. three and a half is a huge huge smash spot yeah i agree with that i i, I have a feeling yeah mm-hmm. i was gonna say i have a feeling that the line being that ben announced this it's gonna come down so that's why i say if you're listening to this you know tomorrow morning um, on your commute or something, t- pull over the car, t- take out your phone and uh, and and smash smash the Steelers spot. So real quick, so that we really went through a quick dog pound. Let's just recap real quick 
um, our Big Bang picks. I'll start. So for one unit each, I have on these games is the Eagle minus three for minus 130 odds, the Titans minus three for minus 130 odds, and the Cardinals plus six for minus 110 odds. And I should say the Steelers dog pound uh, odds that I have at least are at currently plus 155. Yeah, same here. Uh, that's what I have as well. I have the Rams and Ravens over 46.5 for one unit. I have the Detroit Lions plus seven for a half a unit. Um, of course, all these are minus 110. Pittsburgh Steelers plus three and a half for one and a half units. And then my money line parlay, Cardinals and Steelers at plus 690, almost seven to one here. Dude, that would be That's, a massive hit. I'm yeah, rooting for really that. Would. That really would. All right, I got the Rams uh, minus four at. Uh, that is, excuse me, minus, I'll say minus 120. Uh, Cardinals plus six, minus 110. And I have the New England Patriots minus 15 and a half for minus 110. Perfect. We have just like last week, man. I'm feeling confident about these. I feel like it gets harder and harder to handicap as the season goes on because, like you, it's it's just when you think you figure out a team, they do something that's out of character that makes you question them. But this is also like next week's going to be really hard to do because it's going to base on who's in the playoffs, who's resting players, who's not. But as we know the good teams now, this is going to be all the more advantageous for us for betting going forward, like it always is year after year. So, Dean, I think you mentioned a little earlier off pod that you have a, a bonus hockey play. You want to give that oh. to us right now? That's right. I almost forgot. So as we all know, on uh, New Year's Day, January 1st, we have a an outdoor hockey game in the NHL, and this game will be played in Minnesota. And the reason why I bring that up is because as they have been doing these um, outdoor games over the last couple of years, typically if the weather is warmer, the ice is much um it's much faster because it's warmer, ice is melting, um, and that creates a lot of overs, uh, you know, pucks taking weird bounces, guys flying all over the place, defenders possibly falling down. But this is going to be a cold, cold game. It'll be minus two degrees Fahrenheit. The ice is going to be extremely slow, and therefore I'm going to be taking the under. It's not released yet. I think if it's six, we go under that. If it's five and a half, then you're going to have to follow us at Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and I will direct you from there. But I just think because of this cold weather, ice is going to be really, really slow, and therefore it's going to be a grind. It's going to take a lot more effort to uh, skate around here. There, there it yeah. is, man. I love that. I'm putting that in right love- now. Loving the bonus hockey plays. College basketball, I know, is still in full effect, so you're going to get a lot more plays uh, coming up. But I think that's uh, – Porky Pig says that's all, folks. Uh, we'll see you next time here on the Winning Ticket Podcast. We're having fun. Is minus 1,000 for Dean, Zach, and myself. John, uh, happy betting. <laughs>